My fellow questers, Michael and I have come across another adventuring party on our quest for power. Meet Meredith and Dustin of the Alexander Standard. They are fellow rankers and reviewers like ourselves, and we really recommend that you check them out to expand your knowledge of the days after Alexander the Great. Now, without further ado, I'm going to roll the clip, and then we can get into our regularly scheduled programming. And my name is Dustin. And we're the host of... The Alexander Standard. <clears throat> That's better. Inspired by Rex Factor Podcast, we rank all the successors of Alexander the Great. From Perdiccas... To Cleopatra the Seventh. After Alexander the Great died, really hit the fan. Seriously, the Hellenistic world was a crazy place. And we've got some crazy stories to tell you. So please come check out our show, The Alexander Standard. In today's quest, we meet one of the last great kings of the Ostrogothic Empire. This is Totilla, and this is the quest for power. Welcome back to the quest for power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. We are Scott and Michael, and we are your hosts for your journey throughout history. Now, today we're getting back onto the campaign in the brutal Gothic war that is raging over Italy and reviewing King Totilla of the Ostrogoths. So, like always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Quest for Power Pod or email us at questforpowerpod at gmail.com. So now, Michael, what's going on? Um, well, my, uh, my son is learning how to babble, so there's quite a bit of communication going on in the household. What he is trying to tell us is beyond me, but, you know, he, he's got a lot of uh, cooing and laughing and uh, just, ah, wow, wow. And then, of course, I feel the need to mimic it back to him. So it's it would look like a madhouse if you were to look in. Well, um, you can always, uh, or I guess you're eagerly awaiting the, the first word at some point, right? Yeah, uh, I had a dream the other night that his first word was shit. And <laughs> there's a distinct <laughs> possibility knowing you. And my wife was like, if that would happen, I'd be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think I say it that often, but yeah. no, but it's it's pronounced enough. You could, it, it would probably, it's a, oh, it's a yeah. likelihood. Yeah, it's either that or the f bomb, which I I dropped to. I cannot. It's part of the reason we have to do explicit on this podcast, otherwise you would be editing for for days on end on all the swear words that come out of my mouth, even when I try not to. Yeah, but uh, I was wondering, is like, when do you, uh when do people even first start speaking like first words i think I'd around a year variable yeah because i figured i'm like that's pretty soon yeah so. I, mean, I think it's quite it's about a year he's 11 weeks old so we got a long way to go yet yeah profanity is probably hereditary for you though so <laughs> you may pick up on it sooner than you think <laughs> i mean you're not wrong on that 
<laughs> what have you been up to? Last time uh, I saw you, we were playing D and D, and that was about it. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of D and D, a whole lot of work, and now I am uh, narrowly dodging the weather. Uh, it is raining cats and dogs outside. I mean, so, we're going through a, a brutal gothic war. It makes sense to have a raging thunderstorm in the background, you know, for ambiance. Yeah, well, we'll see how much gets picked up. But <laughs> yeah. I know you said you heard uh, you could hear the raindrops a little bit, but yeah. you may hear a, a thunderclap here or there. Yeah, I only, I only heard a little bit. Well, uh, are you ready to get on to today? Yeah, about King Totilla. Totilla. Right. Before we talk, we're going to do a quick review. I'm sure you guys are sick of this about the sources. We will hear from Procopius, who again is from the Romans' point of view during Totilla's reign. And of course, we have the Gothic historian's favorite punching bag, Jordanes. And with that, Scott, what happened previously on the quest for power? The once mighty Ostrogothic kingdom was all but lost to the oppressive Roman Empire. All that remained were the two cities, Tictinum and Verona. King Ildabad of the Ostrogoths took advantage of a cocky Rome and captured a land in Italy north of the river Po and humiliated a Roman general in battle. Unfortunately, he decided to piss off one of his bodyguards, who then took him aside during a feast and <laughs> killed him. The Gothic nobility elected Rugian Eric as king, but then decided that they didn't appreciate him trying to sell the entire Ostrogothic kingdom. So he was swiftly executed for high treason. Uh, that that was my favorite part of the entire episode last week was uh, he was he, he tried to put the kingdom on for sale. I, I thought that was great. Yeah, it was a it was a fun laugh. It was... <laughs> It's just one of those yeah, unthinkable things you don't really expect. No, no. When I first read I was like, are you are you sure? Well, okay. I've never heard of that one before. Well, with that out of the way, let's get on to the main quest. Welcome to the battle-hardened court of Totilla the Fair, master strategist, the last great king of the Ostrogoths. Totilla was originally not named Totilla, he came into this cruel world as Badua, which means the warrior. And we don't really know why he changed his name to Totilla. We just know that his name got changed. And the fact is, is because Badua is on the coins that dated back to his reign. So it's suggested that's actually how he wanted to pre present himself to the world was Badua. But the rest of history knows him as Totilla. A little confusing there. His claim to the throne was that he was the nephew of the previous King Ildabad who decided it was a good idea to piss off his bodyguard, which is always a great thing to do if you want to stay alive. After your, King Yararic from our bonus episode last week was, well not last week, last episode, was assassinated, Totilla was raised on a shield as king in Verona. And then he took over while the Goths were locked in a brutal conflict against a much superior foe. His basic, his nobles basically went, here's the crown. And oh, by the way, our scouts and spies have told us that every Roman soldier is on, in Italy is on their way to kick our ass. 
And he's probably thinking, why did I take this job? Which I think every king should be thinking in this era. Just, uh, you know, got to contend with the soldiers that aren't paid. <laughs> That's right. So when this massive force, it was about five miles away, it came to a screeching halt. And it has come out that um, the generals were so busy arguing over the division of spoils of war from Verona, which they hadn't even captured yet. So, <laughs> so Totila went and took advantage of them just stopping to argue. And he uh, went with his generals and he strategized how to use, you know, their nonsense to his advantage. So his much smaller force surrounded the Romans and began the attack. Mm, classic. <laughs> I mean, the looting uh, as being a distraction is pretty common theme for a lot of... Uh, otherwise would be victories turned to defeats yes that that does happen a lot every time i read about it i think we've had that several times here already i'm sure i'm sure mm -hmm. in the future it'll continue to happen it's just but you shouldn't do it before the attack even like you're 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 looting in your head you're literally talk you know you're um what is that counting your chickens before they hatch hey, check counting yeah yeah I, it makes no sense but again it's greed and you know that's that's the human condition so you got that going for him yeah so what he did is he sent 300 men in a wide arc um to attack behind the roman forces before they made it to their destination and then he launched a full frontal assault to devastating effect um, so what I meant, to, what I mean by that is like he sent his forces like behind the Romans and then he had another bigger force that just came down and crushed onto them, you know, without them realizing it. Mm -hmm. And the Romans began suffering heavy losses in the, in the fighting. And then was, while they were, you know, just taking heavy losses and, you know, from the big surprise, his, uh, his rear guard slammed in behind them therefore sandwiching them you know and I, <laughs> and yeah and the thing you don't want to have happen in in a battle yes yeah that's about as bad as it gets and and the romans thought that this force was just the vanguard of a much larger army so they threw down their weapons and ran for their lives so basically he had successfully <laughs> made it seem like that his army was much greater than it really was Good for him. And uh, obviously, um, just in uh, in a, in routes and battles, when you hear all the casualties that happen, it is not during the fighting usually. It's usually when one side is running away is where the most people end up dying because, you know, you're not defending yourself mm. when you're running away. Makes sense. And uh, so, so with that, Totila's men managed to capture or kill the entire army. He humiliated the Romans by collecting all of their standards, which I don't know if we've addressed this, but in Roman um, history, the cornerstone of a, of a legion is its standard. They have gone to war. Um, I think it was with... Persia just to grab one standard they lost like 30 years prior. So this is a huge humiliation for them. Oh. 
Well, they better let go of that pride soon, I guess, <laughs> since they lost so many. Yeah. Good luck, Greg, of all of them. So this was a huge vi uh, victory for Totilla and his forces, you know, when you, you start winning, people want to come onto your side. So some sources say that 20,000 men fight fighting men ended up joining him. And many of those men were fighting on behalf of the empire. Mm -hmm. So again, we have to take numbers here with a grain of salt. It's, it's just, guesswork it's guesswork at this point and the historians often either way over count or way under count it's just the way that the game goes with ancient history yeah you know so with his you know twenty thousand new best friends he became emboldened to take the fight back to rome he marched across the apennines which is a mountain range that actually cuts right through the middle of italy and he aged siege to florence and then, while he was on his way, he received a notice that an imperial force was on its way to break his siege. So he retreated, so he broke the siege and retreated back into a nearby valley, uh, Mugello, which apparently has a pretty cool race car track. I know you don't care, but some of That's, us do. It's kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's my... <laughs> It's a it's a notable feature there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's got a it's got a pretty cool racetrack. So, uh, in the valley, he basically Obi Wan his position on his men on the high ground. He learned from Obi Wan in the future. Um, in the What's valley, in the, in the Romans below. It was a galaxy. It's a far, far away. It was a long oh, time ago. Oh, that is that is right. It did have yes, correct. So, he did learn from the past and learned from Obi Wan <laughs> that the high ground was the way to go. So he, he elevated his men and just sat and just waited for the Romans to come. And once they came, he he activated his trap card to go on to Yu-Gi-Oh! And fell upon the Romans with a storm that immediately caused them to drop everything and run. And then once again, it's another total rout and humiliation of the Romans. Boy. They had just let him. If they had just like let him like sit on top of the hill, just let him go, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no. There's some fights you don't pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was it Sun Tzu's Art of War? Never ever fight a you know your opponent when they've got the high side. Granted, General Pickett didn't really learn that either in the Civil War. So, yeah. What can you do? <laughs> um. Learning how useful former Roman soldiers were and that they weren't particularly loyal to the Empire um, in the first battle, he treated the prisoners very, very well. And he, in fact, went, not only am I going to, you know, offer you clemency and not just execute you, I'm, you can have a spot in my ranks. And this added even more to his already formidable <laughs> force. Just think, maybe, maybe they'll even pay him. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, uh, so he faked out the Roman generals, letting him believe he was going to go back and take, uh, the siege. He was going to go back and siege Florence and, you know, sieges take a lot of time. So the Romans were hoping he was going to do that. Instead, he left from Mugello, Mugello, and he marched into Southern Italy, capturing the city of Benedictum and then the city of Cumai and so on and so forth all the way until all of southern italy was completely under his control 
So he's he's doing really well. Juked him out. Yeah, yes, he did. And uh, now that he secured southern Italy, he marched into Naples and he laid siege. And eventually the city capitulated in 543. Unlike the Romans who tried to burn Naples to the ground, he treated the garrison and the populace there with such chivalry that, again, more men decided to join his cause. He had to have incredible charisma. I mean, yes, they're not being paid as it is. And, you know, he's probably getting spoils of war and paying his soldiers that way. But he keeps getting people to join him. Yeah, no, it's impressive. And pretty impressive. So... And, and like I was saying, these victories more than did take the land also. Keep in mind, remember that uh, Justinian was taxing the hell out of the Italians. So all of those taxes that were going to Justinian are now going to Totila, which dealt a huge economic blow to the court of Constantinople. That was probably just as bad of a defeat in battle. Honestly, I'm surprised that they managed to actually collect any taxes from them at all. I I agree. It, Especially it was, from being so far away. Yeah. All those tax collectors must have been pretty darn uh, unscrupulous. Yeah, plus whatever, I don't know, governor-esque system they may or may not have. Oh, I was going to say, also, Rome has incredible infrastructure. Like, at this time, no one out, you know, they're, the reason they what exceeded as far as they did and in in the currently the byzantines or the eastern roman empire still have that incredible roman infrastructure of supplies and you know and weapons and trade and that's what's you know going back and forth so they have like a highway probably to get all those all that money back over to constantinople it just feels like that the constant ravages of war probably would have weakened the the infrastructure right because mm-hmm. infrastructure is only as good as your uh, ability to maintain it. That is correct, yeah. But again, remember, this is just one part of the grander Eastern Roman Empire, and they're dealing with other issues than just Italy at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, That's why I was just surprised that the, the connection was strong enough to be able to, you know, reliably get taxes flowing from one end of the empire to the other. Well, think about it. All you need is a ship to go back from, um, you know, in the Mediterranean. No one's really challenging them right now at sea. The Visigoths, not the Visigoths, the Vandals, you know, are all the way taken out. Belisarius had taken them out. The Visigoths are not defeated, but they're over in Spain and they're kind of dealing with their own thing right now. So they kind of have free roam of the seas and they can, you know, get paid that way, I'm sure, is what they're doing. Mm. So he continued to achieve, you know, military victory after military victory as the Italian Roman army crumbled. And especially because a lot of them went, obviously, screw this. I'm going to go join the winning side and I'm going to actually get paid. (laughs) Because the Eastern Empire, in their infinite wisdom, decided, as we discussed last episode, that they would rather line their pockets than pay, you know, the men fighting for that money. It wasn't long till Totila had marched his army to the gates of Rome itself. And in 545, the garrison there, had who had not been paid in months, and they didn't really feel like dying for free, uh, they secretly handed over the keys to, uh, you know, to, um, 
they secretly handed Totilla the keys to the city, basically unlocked the gates and let his soldiers in. Yep. And there again, what did he do? His MO. He treated the population and the garrison with all due respect. And this time he finally went to Constantinople. I want peace. We have made our statement. We have captured our land back. Leave us alone. Don't you see, you know, like, haven't you had enough? <laughs> I, <laughs> I can continue taking your standards and humiliating you if that's what you want. But honestly, it's a lot of work and blood just gets everywhere and it's kind of a pain. So peace. Yeah, but they're probably too prideful to do that. <laughs> you hit it right on the head. The emperor didn't feel like dealing with the gothic nuisance. And in fact, he deemed him i'm not even you're not even important for me to speak with you myself and he said you know what totilla speak with my general belisarius he he will deal with you so totilla went all right and then sent off emissaries to belisarius his message his message was very simple if the imperial forces are not withdrawn from italy and he was not recognized as the legitimate king of italy by the empire he would flat out destroy rome and execute all of the senators before marching on to raise other cities still loyal to the empire it's one hell of a threat no well, you gotta have the you gotta bring the stick yes yes you do he uh not quite speaking softly, but he he uh, he did bark. Here's the problem, though, is that uh, he he you know uh, the the what does the term go? Speak softly, but carry a big stick. He carried mm -hmm. he uh, carried a small stick and spoke loudly because he ended up not doing any of that. In fact, he let Belisarius talk him down from that. And Belisarius must have rolled a nat 20 on a charisma check because for some reason, he not only told Totilla, look, your demands are not even going to happen. Just don't even ask for it. And he also got him somehow to not follow through with not executing all of the senators, wiping Rome off the face, you know, following through with his thing. Yeah. So, you know. This is, I feel like this is where he made his first mistake is unfortunately as brutal and it would have gained him a lot of points in our, you know, Royal Mischief section. He, I really think in this time you, you've got to let Rome know, no, I'm going to burn it to the ground. I don't care if it's the, you know, the cultural capital. You should have thought of that when you wouldn't, you know, come peace with me when he wouldn't treat me as a people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta you gotta follow through on stuff like that. Yeah, and and you can and then just use propaganda and just say, hey, look, this is the evil Justinian doing this to you. I don't want to do this to you, but I have to. <laughs> you know, type well, deal. You can really spin it a certain way to get the rest of Italy to capitulate and you know actually be on your side and hate Justinian. It's a fine line to to walk, though. There's a certain point where you go, well. Who's got the axe? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So with that, he lost a pretty big blow, worse than a lot of battles put together and a lot of morale. And like, I, I just, I, I just don't understand what he was doing this. So 
So as a result of him, you know, not executing everyone, all the senators in Rome, he just went, you know what, I can't even hold Rome. I don't have enough soldiers to hold Rome. So I'm going to abandon it, which means he basically did all of this for nothing, leaving it wide open for Belisarius to retake and use it as his military base, which is exactly what he did. Yikes. I think you're better off burning down Rome at this point. Yeah, I... Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't Raise understand. it to the ground. Leave yeah. nothing for him to use. I agree. I I fully agree. Is heartless Destroy those aqueducts. Sound. Yep. Make it unusable. Take a take a what is it? A page out of Attila's Attila the Hun's book and just make it so that's not even recognizable. Thousands yeah. of years later. Salt the earth while while you're at it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Well, Totillo, despite not, you know, just giving up Rome and saying, have it, I guess, uh, he continued the war during this time, and he ended up uh, actually liberating many Roman slaves, and then he took special care this entire time to not destroy the land of the common folk, but rather going after the Roman elite and their, you know, their villas and stuff like that, which, pretty smart. The empire's resources dwarf totillas this allows his troops to live off the land because by not destroying the land you know the peasants are gonna be like yeah i'll keep feeding mm -hmm. you like keep rome away from us we yeah. don't like them well he decided that you know what i want rome after all i thought about it and i i really would like that city so in summer of 549 he returned to rome and he besieged it and it was until January 16th of 550 that some soldiers who had been paid in months, again, they didn't feel like starving for free, and they opened up the gates, giving them the keys again. History repeats itself. Understandable. You think there would be a lesson to be learned here yeah. on Rome's side? You would. Well, here's the thing is actually history repeated itself just a little differently. This time, there were actual some Roman soldiers who were loyal to Justinian and Belisarius and decided they weren't just going to hand over the city. Mm. The result was an absolute bloodbath. Uh, Rome suffered significant casualties with men fighting to protect their eternal city to their dying breath. The men that survived, though, were allowed to leave the city in peace. Oh, good for them. You know? So, you know, Totilla is very chivalrous. In Rome Total War, I would have been like, you know what? You already went against me. I'm just going to burn the city down. I've had enough. Um, but, but as a result of his kindness, actually, most of them went, instead of fighting for Rome, I'm going to go join the, I'm going to go join Totilla once again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, um, you know, there's, uh you can have honor but uh you can't live you can't live honor honorably if you're not living <laughs> yeah that is that's is valid it is kind of hard to live honorably if you don't have a heartbeat or a head yeah so italy is conquered again 
<laughs> the first time Rome is secure. He sent a message once again to Justinian said, have you had enough now? I mean, I don't want to fight, but I will continue to drive you off Italy by force if necessary. I've clearly demonstrated I can kick your ass. Like, go, leave. We, you're unwanted mm -hmm. here. And in to, in to put more even more pressure on Justinian, he led part of his army in victory to, to Sicily, which was a huge, I remember, if you don't remember in our uh, Vandal episodes, was a huge breadbasket of the, the empire, both west and east. So this cut off a lot of trade supplies and routes. So this was a huge blow to the Eastern Empire. Okay. Despite this extra pressure mounting up, Justinian was not having any of it. He basically was going, la, 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 not, not hearing it, even though, you know, hey, sir, sir we are losing, you know, supplies and, and, <laughs> hey, and you land know, fast. We already conquered Rome that one time. Belsarius conquered Rome. That's it. We have it. Everything else that happens after doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no longer there. It's, 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 it's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we had our victory and that's all that matters. Yeah. And, and uh, Justinian went, nah, nah, you know what? I just, peace doesn't sound interesting to me. And uh, so with that, the war continued on. And then later that year, Totila received some of the best news he could have ever hoped for. Belisarius was recalled back to Constantinople. Ah, finally. I was waiting oh, for this. You know, <laughs> like, oh, thank God. Um, I forgot why. We'll probably go in, in, in Justinian's episode. If I remember, it is something along the lines of um, Belisarius needs to like prove his loyalty or something. There's a Yeah, it was weird. I actually am recalling this because I do remember that he was basically actually getting like at least some, you know, he more, yeah, like he was getting at least some, you know, action in Italy. And then all of a sudden it's just, yo, back, come on back to Constantinople. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Politics supersedes uh, logic in here, I guess. Yes, it, it definitely does. So eventually the eunuch, Narses, took uh, command of the Italian troops in place of Belisarius. And he hit the ground running. In the, in the summer of 551, Totila's scouts spotted Narses landing in Salona, this is all the way over in modern-day Croatia. So this isn't even Italy, but this is, you know, Good to the east away. of it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of ways away, but still in Ostrogothic territory. And uh, Totila began getting news of defeat after defeat because Narses was starting to take a lot of land over there and Gothic morale started dropping. So he started suffering some of his first defeats over something he really couldn't control because he was dealing in Italy, you know. Mm -hmm. So while Narses was occupying Salona, just Totila went back to work. In 551, like I said, he ca captured Sicily, Sardinia, and Corsica. So basically all of those little islands um, off of Italy and then the, the islands to the left of it too. So he had those islands and then he has an alliance with the Franks 
He's like, it's only a matter of time that Italy is secured. He has captured a great portion of resources to really put the screws to the empire and like start cutting off their supplies. And he would have been correct if Narses would have thought like Belisarius or other conventional Roman generals. Narses went, ah, you know what? If we bounce from city to city and doing sieges, that would put a really big drain on our resources. And Justinian would have been forced to suit for peace. However, he knew that the um, Ostrogoths and the Franks did not patrol the coasts because of all the marshes and estuaries. They, they would never in a million be years believe that an army of like the size of, let's say, 30,000 men would be marching through these marshes. It's, yeah. it's a lot like um, uh, Hannibal's march, you know, across the Alps. Who the hell would do that type deal? The only insane geniuses would. Yes, they would. So Totillo was preparing, you know, for a city-to-city -city assault across Italy that, you know, and, and starting to bolster up those defenses. However, Narses grabbed a couple of local loyal guides, because um, there's always going to be some loyals or Tories, and they're he managed to sneak his troops of 30,000 men I mean, it's a good thing they didn't have Google Maps or Wi-Fi back then. Um, <laughs> um, all across the Adriatic coast to Ravenna and avoided all of Totilla's interior defenses. So Totilla was sitting in Rome and then got a letter saying um, Ravenna and Rimini is falling basically without a fight because the Romans just appeared out of nowhere. They appeared in the mist. And so he's like, well, I guess I have to, you know, go deal with this Narcissus guy now that <laughs> yep. he decided to go after my capital. So in early June of, or July, or 552, Totilla and Narcissus drew closer together near the village of Tegne in Italy. And they each knew clearly where the other camp was. Totilla received actual Roman messengers asking when the king would be ready for battle. Wow. I thought that that was pretty funny. It's <laughs> like, a very cordial warfare. Yeah, I, I never understood that with the gentlemanly warfare. Just like, I know I'm trying to literally end your existence, but I want to be gentle about it i want to be nice and you know polite about it well i mean apart you... from the the rules uh helping to maintain some order i'm sure a lot of a lot of the um order of everything has to also come from the fact that you have to maintain a lot of very strict order for conscri conscripted soldiers as well right i never thought of it that because i've always thought like in all of like a civil war too they do these gentlemanly we're gonna meet here and we're gonna you know, brutally kill one another. I just, it always, in, in like you would go into massacre, like if you lost, they would massacre, you know, your women and children. There's nothing like cordial about it. What are we doing? Well, the battlefield is cordial. The afterwards is a massacre. Yeah. But I mean, if you think like, if you had someone just like a, a, a force hide in the woods, how many people could just run off, right? 
Yes, that is true. Yeah, that's that's can see I that. think the logic behind it, and that's why you see a lot of uh, that, and also the technology helps too, right? Like prior oh, yeah. gut, like you know, yeah. they you know, swords work a lot better when you have a whole lot of them. Same with shields, <laughs> as, ev- as evidenced by the phalanx and things like that. Where and the shield, one walls. shield is kind of good, but like a lot of shields together to make a wall. Now that's uh, that's where you're talking. Now you're yes. talking with gas. Yeah. So. I think a lot of it's just maintaining order or it's just a cultural thing. It also very much could be a cultural thing. Again, we are in a vastly different world. It is, this is like an alien planet. When we ever talk about like the men, all of the stuff in our entire podcast is from like an alien planet where, you know, religion is all people think about you know and there's just these different forces at work that we couldn't even comprehend no matter how many sources we have yeah it's it's a lot different even though a lot of this you know same we're all human oh yeah yeah i mean speaking of which all human like a totillo at hmm you know what uh, I need to talk to about my wife to confirm if we have anything going on, you know, that, that day. And, uh, I think in eight days, um, sh- we'll, we'll, we should be ready, you know, to brutally murder one another. Yeah. Well, you know, you have priorities. <laughs> yeah. If, if we're gonna, if we're gonna like lose and we all get like slaughtered we're gonna look good doing it yeah yeah she she yeah his wife is like he's like my wife needs a really nice dress so it's gonna take about eight days to get it made how about then we battle that that yeah, sounds like a good idea that's that's some good uh royal posturing to get the uh <laughs> delay yeah uh so Totilla was completely lying. He was already planning to attack in the morning, as you probably can imagine. And unfortunately, Narcisse was already, you know, waiting for this. And he, <laughs> Totilla yeah. got up ready to attack, being like, I got the drop of. And Narcisse was sitting there in the most well-fortified position possible and probably looked at him like, do you think I was that stupid? <laughs> I don't know. Well, but... this- yeah that's uh that, yeah that's kind of crazy no one's gonna like send you a message like hey you ready to fight and not be ready to fight <laughs> yeah like that's what gets me he might have been better off saying hey Adley, give me seven days yeah i it's just funny well um despite not getting the drop on narcissus and narcissus being fully in a defended position uh totilla was like well i guess we're here we're dressed up in armor might as well go fight and yeah. uh historian jfc fuller describes this battle way better than i could and i think it was a perfect time for our favorite dm's voice to come into play the goths took no notice of the bow wings of their enemy's line and charged straight forward against the phalanx of the dismounted barbarians at the center with the inevitable result that while their central squadrons failed to break through its bristling hedge of spears, those on the flanks were raked by Roman archers. Hundreds of goths must have fallen immediately and scores of riderless horses have been galloped away plunging and careening over the battlefield to add confusion to the central squadrons. 
which presumably were out of bow shot. It would appear that the initial charge was only the organized one and those that which followed were improvised by in individual leaders for no mention is made of the Gothic horse retiring behind their infantry to reorganize. Toward evening, the Romans began to advance and the Gothic cavalry, no longer able to offer resistance, gave ground and finally broke back on their infantry, not, as Procopius writes, with the purpose of recovering their breath and renewing the fight with their assistance, as is customary, but to escape. And unfortunately, in this battle, Totila died in the fighting, dying a heroic warrior's death because of a very foolish battle plan and very uncharacteristic. I, I'm running what I'm missing here. Totila, up to this point, he's been very cunning. He's been very tactical. He doesn't fight when he needs to. He fights when he needs to. What possessed him to attack such a fortified position? Uh, like just being flustered. He probably got flustered by like just things not working, right? I mean, maybe, yeah. I guess, or I guess, or like, he foresaw that, us. like, that, like, if he uh, did not attack, then uh, things would have just gotten worse. Could have. I mean, yeah, that is true. Uh, you know, he was. Uh... And by he, I mean, um, Narses was marching across Italy pretty impunitively, yeah. and he got past his defenses that Totila was probably counting on. Yeah. That's, but I don't know. That's fight another day. Like, <laughs> fortify your own position and, or get the hell out of there. Yeah, you'd think, but probably just like confused. Yeah, yeah. The thing that confuses me about this whole thing is even Procopius, who has been, you know, painting him as this very honorable king, despite him being, you know, an Ostrogoth and not a Roman. And even Procopius goes, I don't understand this at all. So that, that that's why it's just such a what what actually happened, because even the 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 contemporary source at the time was like, I don't believe that that's what happened, but that's what I was told what was happened. Yeah, well, it's kind of weird that how it pan how it panned out, but yeah, and it's also said that he restricted his men only to use spear in battles when they actually had able archers of their own in their ranks. Yeah, that's so weird. It, so it's like he wanted to die and just take 6,000 of his friends with them. Like I, I just, yeah, uh, I don't get it. I'm, I'm just baffled. And, and Procopius, this final note on him was his death was not worthy of his past deeds. That sounds about right. <laughs> so, um, that's it for Totila's reign, an incredible buildup in a horrifically anticlimactic end. I feel like it's a season that got cut short because the actor playing Totilla quit for a different show. Are you ready to rate him? Yeah, let's do it. How long do you think his reign was? Uh, gosh, it's another one of those like shorter, but like action packed years. I feel like he's got to be like a, like a four year ruler. He reigned from 552 to five. 
from 541 to 552. So actually wow. about 11 years. Impressive. So that's uh that's pretty impressive in this day and age with the Romans, you know, constantly attacking you. Yeah, I thought for sure this being like a constant wartime leader would have certainly had a very short reign. Mhm, I agree. So let's get into like his the 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 positives and negatives of his, you know, how powerful he was. He took a failing kingdom, turned it into a powerhouse once again that was able to challenge and outmaneuver Rome so many times. He came really close, like inches shy of putting the screws to Justinian and kicking the Romans out of Italy. He acquired a vast amount of troops of and, and power simply because he was just liked more than Justinian was. He was masterful in diplomacy. He managed to eliminate the Frankish threat that could have happened. Um, and if you remember, in Ildabad's episode, actually did <laughs> he came down yeah. from the Alps and, and attacked. Uh, he negotiated a neutrality deal with them. So, you know, took that threat away through um, dipl diplomatic means. And the, the arrangement was actually so fruitful that... Uh, Frankish King Theodobert refused imperial requests to allow forces to allow imperial forces to use his land. Cause like Romans were saying, you know, we want to use your land and he went, no, I'm going to attack you if you use our land. So yeah, uh, no, this, good. this gave Totila much needed security. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of power to be able to flex that muscle. It definitely is. And uh, so, you know, quite a big, big positives. The negatives, he lost the battle and his life at Tegne in a very senseless way. And um, we, we again, we're just kind of confused as to why we did it. So that's, that's the biggest downfall I have of him is that last battle. Otherwise, the rest of it was pretty good. I mean... He didn't have the kind of resources Rome had, but yet he was able to outmaneuver them several times and humiliate them several times. Uh, so what what are your thoughts? Uh, so what speaks to me more than like his uh, battle prowess, although that speaks to, or battle prowess contributes to this, but... Uh, power being that you have an impact on not just like your realm, but then like on those around you. Mm -hmm. He gets an awful lot of people to join him just on the merit of being good at what he does. And then also merciful at the opportune time. Yes, he does. Yep. So I'm willing to give pretty high marks on the sense that he was, he brought everything up from the brink of nothing to, uh, a formidable force and also made a significant impact on the political sphere around him, right? The uh, denying Romans land as a means of travel is a pretty big statement. Like, that's a pretty big thing to deny Rome. Yeah, and to, and to, and to get a, you know, uh, and not you to do it, your, you know, your neighbor to, to, to go as far as to say that to Rome. Yeah, exactly. That means that means they're more afraid of you than they are of Rome. 
Yeah. Which is a big thing to say. Or or they like you more than they like Rome and they they realize that hey, if we band together, we could stop, you know, Rome from encroaching on us. Yeah, and it cuts both ways. Both are like flexes of power. Mm-hmm. So, I'm willing to give like a 7. Cuz that mainly because like it, it felt like that he still just didn't have like the means to be able to really hold Italy despite everything. Yeah. That he things were never... shaky. He he did amazing work with what he had, but he's still rough running on a shaky foundation. Yeah, I I was thinking a six for that reason is because he never captured Italy and held it. You know, like you said, it was constantly changing. It was like the uh, the American Revolution, except for the British one at the end. Yeah. So, all right. So for a seven. And a six for 13. Infamy. I could not find anything. Procopius paints him as the definition of a chivalrous king. Yeah, he, he really is the good guy. So uh, I got zero. He's so good that he's infamously good. <laughs> oh, God. He's infamously polite. <laughs> he's infamously polite. Yeah. Oh, um, all right. Funny. So zeros all around. Uh, religious passion. I'm sure you're tired of me hearing of hearing this, but like many of the previous Ostrogothic kings, it's really hard to promote religion when you're too busy fighting for your kingdom's survival. Church ch- churches don't exactly just you know just because you build a church give you a win on the battlefield. So yeah, well nothing. we'll just hold our we'll just hold our breaths for Spain. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, uh, stability. I, I mean, he was in total warfare. Italy was constantly changing sides. The only stability was that he didn't burn down the countryside. I can't say the same for Rome. That I'm willing resources... to give some points, just on the merit again that he, you know, was like kind of recapturing reconsolidating but yeah it's like a lot of shaky foundation is the issue it feels weird because our you know on the the previous uh we kind of gave a fairly like lower um score fire or higher score if i recall on the stability factor because he brought it from nothing to something correct yeah so I'm willing to splurge on at least like a one. <laughs> yep, that's all I got is that he, you know, he he at least kept his kingdom, you know, his court and stuff. His nobles were stable. Yeah, and like the, you know, the the military are you could argue was is became more stable. Yeah. After his, I mean, apart from the last battle, I think that's the big one, right? Is like. We cut the battle off, or we cut the history off at the battle, mm-hmm. which we we don't know whether or not he left the the kingdom better than he had it. I mean, yeah, it, it feels like he did, but like feel- you know, was the battle truly that like much of a a blow? But like in or these, was it, you know, but like in these days, all it takes is one battle to end an I entire know. kingdom. I mean, we had it happen with the. The, the the vandals that happened with the Visigothic 
it took one battle to completely end the Balti dynasty, or at least, you know, the majority of the Balti dynasty, so... Well, sometimes it takes two battles, though, and that's the, uh... That's the thing, but that's something we'll have to find out next time. Yeah, I'm gonna go with one. Yep, so a one and a one for two. All right, Royal Demise. On one hand, he died a glorious warrior's death. On the other hand, he died a foolish general's death at the same time, if you believe our sources, which is the only thing we can go off of. I'm willing to give it more, like, glory than, like, I mean, foolish, sure, but, like, I aren't all, like, you know, charges into battle kind of foolish? Yeah. One yeah, could they're... argue that the better generals are the ones who sit back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alexander the Great it, it was is a prime example of that. Um, so, uh, I think it's pretty cool, though. Um, just the way you really that... can never know what's going on in their heads at the time. Yeah, yeah. It just feels so anticlimactic for me that the rest of the story is why I like want like versus other ones. You know, like, at least the death was, like, a capstone to something. This one, it was just a, what? Oh, yeah. okay. He had an oh shit moment. Yeah. Yeah, at least with, like, um, Ildabad, he had it because of a, you know, a jealous lover. <laughs> not just, uh, not just, uh, oh, the enemy is fortified and I'm going to run into them. Yeah. I'm going to go, too. I can't give any much more than that. Uh, uh no one not... one yeah actually i was about to give a one as well so all right so one and a one for two legacy uh for the dynasty aspect of legacy i could not find any wife or children of totilla you know war kind of keeps you busy from having a, chi- a family that it does and uh the rest uh in history he is often compared to theodoric the great and is described as a valiant soldier and an able statesman even by his enemies well respected and spoiler alert he is the last great king of the once mighty ostrogothic kingdom that's all i got all right so really not that much to go off of um but like enough to make you think about it. I I I'll, I'd go one. I'm willing to give like a bit more on this. Oh, I like the last great king. Also, because I think he's cool. I mean, um, I do I do like him. Don't get me wrong. The, my scores have nothing to do with me not liking him. I enjoy. I'm him willing greatly. to. I'm willing to like give a three on this just because of the uh, the fact that the the respect seems to be pretty high here yeah yeah so that's my that's my thought uh let's see so but i mean whether you call it a legacy is yeah that's yeah i just can't i'll give them a one all right so three and a one for four feeling pretty harsh today jeez or i'm generous i feel like i'm generous but all right so our total is a 12 and a nine for 21 oh that's that's rough despite i like him a lot i really enjoy him a lot it's just our grading scale is not nice to him (laughs) yeah 
Uh, well, so, well, who is that similar to? Um, let's see. L- let me guess, did Ildabad beat him? Ildabad did not. Oh, well, that's good, at least. But Eric did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> your arc is like that big asterisk <laughs> yeah uh, the selling the state will do that to you <laughs> when you commit the highest treason possible that throws up your score to 20 points right away <laughs> um so with that shall he be crowned as high king become a minor lord at court or burned at the stake i think a minor lord he's not high king yeah he could have been but he so just close. didn't have the resources i'd have to give him a minor lord at least he we can enjoy so his close. estates yeah yeah it's a shame but yeah lower lord yeah sad. yeah it was kind of a sad sad episode it was uh he's, he's we considered one of the, yeah one of the one of the great kings and just abrupt yeah got got one got caught with his pants down <laughs> that he did well that brings us to the end of totilla let us know what you thought of him we'd love to hear from you the listener uh you can catch us on messenger and fa- on and face on wow you can catch us on messenger on, and on wow you can catch us on Messenger on Facebook and Instagram at Quest for Power or email us at questforpowerpod at gmail.com. If you would like to support what we do here and raise your legacy score, please review us at www.podchaser.com forward slash Quest for Power. We will review every five star um, review posted to that site, and it's so much easier than ruling a kingdom. And you do not have to charge into certain death. All you need to do is click on the little link in the bottom of the show notes. That's it for Totilla. Next episode, we will close out the Gothic War that has been raging on for several kings now. And we will watch how Totilla's death sets a series of events that lead to the collapse of the once mighty Ostrogothic kingdom. And with that, until next time, the king is dead. Long live the king! (laughs) 